And I just want to read some excerpts here and read something that Lester had had pulled out of this. You guys don't mind if I read a couple pages here? Is that okay? Is that all right? um, Let's see. He, he has this chapter labeled as two foundation stones and two foundation stones and pertaining to the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the greatest thing about the gifts of the Spirit is the two foundation stones on which they are laid. Number one, unity. Number two, love which was pretty cool because that was part of the Holy Ghost forums that one of the emphasis or the main emphasis of the, 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 the forums. Um, unity and love. If the gifts of the Spirit are to function in any church body, these two elements must be present. You know, it is, uh, for, for, as a... You know, a person that receives something from God, whether it's the Word of God or whether it's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a gift in action, it can be it can be difficult to give the Word of God. It can be difficult to give, uh, you know, what it is the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart, whether it's a pastor, preacher, teacher, uh, congregant. If the Holy Ghost puts something on your heart, sometimes it can be hard to to minister that gift if there's strife, division, if there's not love. And sometimes it can be hard because you feel the opposition in the spirit. And there, there's like something opposing the very nature of God, which is love, which is uh, peace, joy. And God, we know, is a God of unity. Amen. And sometimes it can be hard because you feel the opposition, you know, against what God is doing. Um, <clears throat> he goes on and he continues and he says, uh, the Apostle Paul explained the need for unity and love in his first epistle to Corinthian church, which we know in First uh, Corinthians 12 all the way up through 14, um, he talks about the gifts and unity and uh, and things. The 12th chapter deals with unity in the body of Christ. It takes an entire chapter to reveal how important it is for you to have not just a nose, but a nose and an ear, not just a, uh, an, an ear, but need the arm, you, not just an arm. You need a leg. The body of Christ is one complete structure and there must be unity. I'm not better than you. This is what he's writing. You are not better than I. We are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, sometimes it's, it's difficult to get over this in a, in a, in a, in a way. Is we, we put ministers, we put uh, ones on a pedestal as if, you know, they don't make mistakes, as if, you know, they, they, they're better than us because, uh, you know, they must hear from God more than we do. They must be in the word of God more than we are, must be in prayer. The, the ministers face the same, uh, uh, the same 
struggles of making sure there's time for prayer, for the word and all that, is anybody else. There's no better person. And a lot of times we equate that, well, they must get in the word more. They must get in prayer more. They must. So we're comparing ourselves to a person that's normally behind the pulpit, right? Or other ministers or notable ministers, and we compare ourselves to them, and we shouldn't be doing that. Because now we're putting a limitation on ourselves. Amen. And God's created us equal. Amen. We all face the same struggles. We all have to you know, fight the, the good fight of faith and, and still have to redeem the time to be able to do all that. Um, <clears throat> the 13th chapter drives home the most important point of all. There must be love, pure love. Without it, the spiritual gifts cannot function. In studying the nine spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter, chapters 12 through 14, it would be best to ignore the chapter divisions. And this, this is so uh, important. The chapter divisions being, you know, the verse numbers, the chapter numbers. And we, ha- we need to, in this, this instance, really try to block that out because it's not a broken up piece of, of uh, writing, going from one thought to a different thought to a different thought. It's a continuous letter that Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians, that first epistle to the Corinth church. Paul wrote this as a continuous letter. There were no chapters. If you would read it with that in mind, you would see that what we view as chapter 13 is not specifically a uh, dissertation on love, but an amplification of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I encourage you, if, if you would, take time this week to read through those again. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Unity. There must be unity in the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit will not function long without unity. On the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born, the followers of Jesus were all together in one place and in one accord, not divided or separated or separated. The church was born in unity. And the church can be great only in unity. In years past, there have been uh, celebrity evangelists who possess certain spiritual gifts, but they seem to function and operate as separate entities. 30 or 40 years ago, there were some great manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in America, but I'm ashamed to say that the people through whom these gifts function pulled away from the body. Some began to call themselves by such names as God's uh, man of the hour. The gifts then were, we're not identified with the body of Christ, but only with a person. That cannot be. I'm discovering more each day that God is body conscious. By that, I mean he sees us continually as one body, the body of Christ. You and I, as members of that body, must learn to flow together. Amen. I am not one, th- uh, I am not one thing and you another. We are one together. 
for the gifts of the Spirit to flow as they should, it must be through the body, which is the church. You know, one cool thing that with the Holy Ghost forms is um, with what we have here, and I can speak, uh, you know, to what we have because of the involvement. Um, I hear I hear about different things and different you know, forum settings and how they're good and how they've had uh, to work different things out. But the one thing that I absolutely love is there is a purity with our forums that we have here at Good News. And the purity of there's no competition, which is cool. There's nobody trying to compete and trying to push, you know, a gift or the gift that God really, you know, moves in through one person or the other. There's just a synchronization. There's just unity. If the Holy Spirit, you know, is inspiring somebody, there's room to be able to give, which is so cool. It's so awesome. There's no struggle of trying to, you know, fight for time or anything like that. It's just like there's just perfect unity. And that is an example of the way the church should be operating in that kind of unity, giving room for each other. Uh, Loving each other enough that what you have is important. Amen? Uh, loving each other enough th- to a degree that you're willing to give up what you have to say so that you would allow the Holy Ghost to speak through someone else. You know, I mean, these are uh, so, so many things that God just works within us to get us perfected in his love, perfected in his unity, you know, there's times that we there's an unction that what you have, it it's it's like there's an urgency to give what the Holy Ghost has given you, and that's that's awesome, that's good. But when the Holy Ghost has the room to do what He wants, how He wants, there's perfect love, there's perfect unity in the atmosphere. There are some awesome things that take place. Amen. Amen. If you would, let's let's open up here, and we are going to take a look at First Corinthians in chapter fourteen. First Corinthians 14. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So is anybody familiar with the uh, Bible.com, the Bible app? Or is it just the website, Bible.com? Anybody familiar with that? <clears throat> so I go to punch in 1 Corinthians, the chapter 14, and it, every time it goes to bring it back up, it's refreshing at John chapter 1. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we need to take a look here. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, that wasn't actually where I was. <laughs> Amen. No, 
Nobody's got my account. Nope. Ooh, you never know. You just never know. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, there we go. Okay. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Uh, I'm going to switch to the New International Version. Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Amen. <clears throat> no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Why? Paul saw the need for what? Exactly what he just spoke. What does tongues do? Edifies yourself. He saw the need that people... Believers need to edify themselves by praying in tongues. Amen? Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Again, verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Why? There is also this need. Prophecy does what? Strengthen and encourage others, right? He would rather that everyone would prophesy for the encouraging of the saints because there's something powerful when you're encouraging each other, helping each other, edifying each other. Amen? <clears throat> the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Not greater in more powerful or more, you know, in charge or the one that's you know better than the other but greater in this there's a uh there's something about taking care of yourself that's important but there's something greater in taking care of others believing in others speaking in others edifying each other so you're not looking just to build yourself up but you're helping to build others up that's what Paul's getting to amen Unless someone interprets that tongue so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? In other words, if there's a tongue, it doesn't help you unless there's something that accompanies that tongue. Amen. That, that uh, revelation or knowledge is part of that interpretation, right? Or that uh, the gift of knowledge or the, that gift of that revelation that in operation, wisdom, knowledge, um, or the prophecy or the instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or a harp, 
How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for the battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel. I love this part. This is what I want to emphasize on. Try to excel in those that build up the church. One of the most important things that I think in growing as a believer is understanding that people move in a gift more prolifically than other gifts, right? That doesn't limit us to just moving in one gift. If we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we can move in any gift that the Holy Ghost wants us to move in. We just might be more comfortable in moving in a particular gift and flow in that gift easier, right? But God wants us to step out of the box, Because there may be a prophecy that's needed to be spoken to somebody. And God wants us to be able to step out of our comfort zone. And if there's a prophecy that needs to be spoken, then there's a prophetic word that that we should be willing to be able to hear from the Holy Ghost to give. If it's a tongue or a um, a tongue interpretation of tongues, then we should be willing to step out into that. The Holy Ghost is going to move in such a way so that the body is being edified, right? Amen. But I love that phrase of what he, what Paul had written. And I know this is the NIV, but I love that right here. Try to excel in those that build up the church. Try to excel in what? Those gifts that build up the church. <clears throat> so here's the, the greatest thing that you and I, I believe, the greatest thing that, the cha- greatest challenge that you and I face is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know which gift it is that he wants us to move in doesn't mean that uh, if we move in a prof- if we move in prophecy or we move you know have the the sense to move in a particular gift and we miss it no big deal can somebody still be edified absolutely but that's part of the perfecting of who we are and who God is trying to uh, what God's trying to develop in us is that we step out in the Holy Spirit we step out of our box our comfort zone and and allow God to develop us so that we are able to you know to to be like this the examples that we see 
Paul, you know, Apostle Paul, if there was something that needed to be spoken in boldness or in prophecy or in tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, like he's speaking to the church of Corinth, he's an apostle. So God moved through Paul and used Paul in many different facets. So the gifts were in operation. Amen. So Paul understood the gifts. He understood how they, they operated. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write this letter, he's saying to excel in those that help to build the, up the church. So that's the greatest challenge you and I have is stepping out of our comfort zone. The, f- the very first thing, step out of that comfort zone. If the, God's putting something on your heart, that, this is what's really cool, is when we're in prayer, when we have in our prayer time, the, 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 it's awesome because when we just not pray from just head knowledge concerning something, but allowing the Holy Spirit to stir on the inside of us concerning a particular area of, for prayer, and we just are being led by the Holy Ghost in that way, that's part of the developing of hearing the Holy Spirit and responding, Right? So it's, it comes down, prayer is so important because it's not just prayer time. It's a time that we're not just praying head knowledge concerning stuff, but we're praying by faith according to the word of God, but getting into that place to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because that's where we develop our walk with him, our intimacy with God is being able to come before him, be sensitive, hear him lead us, and go with it. And prayer is a great place that we can function in unity, in love, and begin to pray and allow faith to rise. But prayer time is a great place for us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us. We're responding to the the leading. And it should follow into that place where it will grow. It grows into, you know, where we're, we're really sensing that urgency for, you know, something that's uh, like prophetic, profound, or maybe words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And that comes out of prayer. It comes out of that intimacy with hearing God and being led by God. Amen. And that it's, that's the development of it. Now we could be walking in the grocery store and we hear the Holy ghost and there's a sensitivity to hear his voice, but that came through that growth in prayer that growth in intimacy, intimate times with, with God. Amen. But this, to excel in those gifts that build up the church, that's where we're moving forward to. Amen. As a congregation is coming to that place to be able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to his leading in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, in his gifts, which one is going to build up this person? It's not trying to figure it out. It's just following the leading of the Holy Spirit because he knows what a particular person needs and how to give it to that person, how to give them that very need, that word, that encouragement, that building up. And it may be prophecy. It may be a word of wisdom. It may be a word of knowledge. It may be uh, laying on of hands, you know, the, the gift of healing, the gift of miracle, whatever it may be, but the Holy Ghost knows how to get across to somebody what they need. Amen. Being flexible is part of what we need to be flexible to be able to give what the Holy Spirit wants. Amen.
<clears throat> Carrying on to verse 13. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should, uh, should pray that they may interpret what they say. For, I pr- for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So that praise uh, and that 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 place that we have in a in a corporate body and a corporate gathering, if we're praying or singing in the spirit, we should also have praying, singing, so that there's understanding to help edifying, uh, help edify. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 18, I thank God that I, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, is, is Paul saying that tongues are not important? Is Paul saying that tongues are not, not you know, needed? No, absolutely not. But when there's a corporate body... In your corporate gathering, Paul's saying that it's important to have and tell. What if we came together and a person came behind a pulpit and just spoke in tongues? Does that help you any? Not at all. There has to be some kind of intelligible, some leading of the Holy Ghost to speak words to your understanding to help this, to help penetrate your heart, to help penetrate your spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to uh, evil, but be infants. In regard to, I'm sorry, come back here. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written with other tongues, and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then... They will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? If an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, you know, a lot of times when we're together, I just want to touch on this. A lot of times when we're together, we hear it often. You know, let's just pray in tongues. Let's sing in, in, in tongues. The reason why that's instructed is because we need to stir ourselves up. Amen. 
There needs to be a place of edifying our spirit, edifying our, our inner man to get to the place of being sensitive for what the Holy Spirit has to, has to give. Amen. So a lot of times when we're coming and we have that instruction, it's because there needs to be a ramp, a ramping up, a ramping up of the, uh, supernatural of the atmosphere. How's that come? It comes from our edifying ourselves, our spirits and getting our spirits stirred to a place of faith, expectancy and sensitivity to the Holy spirit. So that's why we say, pray, let's pray in tongues. Let's just pray in tongues. Let's pray in tongues. Let's pray in tongues. Edify yourselves. Build the atmosphere up in here because the faith level has dropped or waned. So that's why there's that encouragement, that, that instruction to pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Raise that spiritual level up. Edify yourself. Build yourself up. Get your place, yourself into that place of of being sensitive to the Holy Ghost because the atmosphere, there's war, there's stuff being waged right now that's going on. And it's to get people out of more of a flesh-mindedness into a, more of a spirit-mindedness and getting sensitive in the spirit. Amen? It's that edifying, that encouraging, getting this, your spirit man to a place that's so built up that now you're in a in that place of being spiritually minded, spiritually conscious, spiritually sensitive to hear, spiritually sensitive to receive, spiritually sensitive to give, amen. So that's the importance of of speaking in tongues when we're together, when there's that instruction, that encouragement, because we need to be edifying ourselves. We need to build ourselves up, amen. And. You know, there's been times, and I'm sure you guys have also been in a place of where there's special meetings and things where there's a great expectancy. Like, you just come in, and it's charged. The atmosphere is charged. And, uh, you know, there it's, like, already in a place where it's just, like, you know, it's heavenly. Like, there's something. God's going to do something. There's something There's something about to happen. You know, and, and there's that place where there's just so in that place, it's so easy to step into just praising God, worshiping God, and God just does stuff. But when there's that, let's just pray in tongues. Let's let's begin to sing in tongues. It's because there's a a, a place that we as a or a, as a body, as a congregation, as a gathering, need to step the atmosphere up. And it's not that God's not in the atmosphere. It's stepping up all us as individuals into what? This place of love and unity like we just read about through, uh, through what Lester Sumner was saying. It's getting our spirit man into that place in synchronization with each other. That there's unity in the, in the atmosphere. There's love in the atmosphere for that place that God can speak. God can minister. God can just, you know, just fall in the place and do whatever he wants. Amen. Now, God's sovereign and he can do and he will do at times. But when there's unity and when there's that love flow, synchronization, it's so powerful because our hearts are in a place that is so unified 
expectant. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You know, and that's that's one thing which what's awesome is seeing when uh, unbelievers come in into that kind of atmosphere. There's like a bewilderment, like what what is going on here? Not in a in a critical way, but wow, there's something different. There's something powerful that's here. You know, it, it, God must be here because that atmosphere is so charged. That's why we have our uh, morning prayer before service on Sundays. We pray for our, mini- our ministry of helps areas. But part of that is we're praying for the Holy Spirit to move. We're praying for that atmosphere to be charged. I mean, technically, we try to condense it all in a 15-minute period of time, but it would be so awesome if we could come and have an hour of prayer, just an hour of prayer before service, to pray for the area of helps and to pray for the you know the lost the hurting the broken to pray for the atmosphere of the of the house to be ramped up to be charged in the spirit so that there's an already created atmosphere for God to move and to flow amen that would be awesome that would be awesome having everybody in sync with that is hard because of schedules and things but when that happens, we know God's doing something. And our hearts are coming in unity. And our hearts are coming into that place of giving up of ourself. That's when revivals is, is happening. Amen? And that's what we're expecting. That's what we're looking, longing to see is for our hearts to be in that place. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for these vessels like Lester Summerall, like the Ken Higgins, the Ken Copelands, the Oral Roberts, the Billy Grahams, and all those that have been uh, have been generals in the faith, generals in all these things that we've that we have seen in the past, but God, that we read about even today. And God, the things that, they, that they've seen, experienced concerning the word, concerning the spirit, we thank you, Father God, that you have allowed us to be able to taste and see. But God, to hear even their testimonies. God, we ask you that you would just help us to take what we've heard, even from the, just the couple uh, the couple pages that we've read from this book but God that we would take hold of it and God that we would just we would just chew on it we would just mutter that on the inside and just just let it just grow on the inside Father God, I just ask you that you would stir our congregation into that place of unity. Stir our congregation into that place of walking in love with with you, with each other, in such a great love uh, manner that God, that there's there's such an awesome atmosphere in this place that God, that you're free to move, that you're free to operate, that God, there's no opposition. There's no uh, bickering, complaining, no fighting, no backbiting, no backtalking God, but there's just a free flow of your, of your love, of your peace, of your joy, of your anointing, Father God. 
I thank you, Father God, that you're causing this house to come to, into its place again of revival, a place where there's an outpouring, a place of, of God that, you, of, that, that this is an oasis and this is a training center and this is a place, God, that you are moving supernaturally, that you're moving powerfully. So, Father God, I thank you that you're causing this house to grow. You're causing this house to be stirred and stirred spiritually, stirred, God, for greater things and not just going through motions, God, but, God, that you're causing us to come to that place of hungering, desiring every time that we meet together, that, God, there's just a great expectancy to see you pour out, to pour out supernaturally in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you that that you are speaking to all of our hearts, that you're helping us to be strengthened on the inside, strengthened physically, strengthened emotionally, strengthened spiritually, that, God, that you're able to do some mighty things and some powerful things. God, that you could even help us to come to that place of being so refreshed, so charged, and so ready to just to flow and to be into that atmosphere, God, with expectation. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Do you have something? Yeah. Um, I just want to read something to go along with what Ben was just describing. Cody's version. This is actually, this is from uh, one of Brother Hagin's little mini books on the Holy Spirit. And I just felt this was important to read this. Now, just to clarify, he's talking about some different experiences of where when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And this is one of them. He says, And sometimes the Spirit of God would be so intense that it felt like we were basking in the sunlight of heaven. It felt like the very atmosphere was charged. Nobody said a word. There was just silence, holy silence. And we were almost afraid to move. Now, before this, he talked about times where people would get up and run and jump and dance and you know, because they were moved in different ways. It seems like if we were to move, we'd destroy the atmosphere. Now, this is we. This is the whole church. Not a baby cried. We weren't able to have a nursery. It was just a one-room church. And not a child moved. They sensed the same thing. We were just soaking this up, sitting in God's presence. We might sit that way for 45 minutes. I think once we went as long as an hour and a half in silence talk about perseverance that's like upper room right there as is upper room experience glory to god we need to learn about these things and experience them again that's what brother hagan said the husband of one of our members was unsaved he brought his wife to church on sunday mornings and then he went uptown to a place that wasn't supposed to be open on sundays but it was he'd gamble and do other things until it was time to come and pick his wife up at church Um, We'd start our morning worship service at 1045, and sometimes we'd stay until 2.30 in the afternoon. But if the spirit was not moving, I'd just dismiss at noon. He says, what's the use of just going on and on and on if God's not moving in it? One One Sunday at noon, this unsaved man drove up to the church. He parked his car, rolled the windows down, but he couldn't hear anything. He said later he even walked up to the windows of that little frame building, but because the windows were painted over, we didn't have stained glass, so he, and he couldn't see inside the church. So imagine if our doors were, you know, darkened. He said he actually put his ear up to the window. He's like, are they done? He told us later, I thought, well, I know they're here. All the cars are in the parking lot, but I can't hear anything. 
Do you suppose the rapture's taken place? He heard about the rapture once in a meeting. So the man returned to, it, returned to his car, waited a while longer, still didn't hear anything, nobody's coming out. And so he went back up to the window to listen again. We were all still sitting in holy silence. Finally, the man opened one of the church doors and stepped inside. The church was two-thirds full, but everybody was just sitting there. I was sitting on the platform. Nobody was saying a word. After looking around, he sat down on the end of the back pew. I watched him. Nobody said a word. After the man had sat sat there about ten minutes, he suddenly started to shake all over like he had chills. Then, still shaking, he got up from his pew, walked down to the front of the church, fell across the altar bench, and called on God. And nobody even went down to pray with him. We all just sat there. I decided, well, God started it. Let him finish it. And he says sometimes when God starts something, we get in the middle and we try to, you know, we mess it up. But he said some of the most marvelous things I've ever experienced in my life happened in those believers' meetings where people were together in one accord, in unity, in the spirit. God intended it that way. Every believer should have the privilege of operating under the anointing and gaining experience in exercising the gifts of the Spirit in services where nobody will be harmed by their mistakes. So we, you guys hear it here. Mom and Dad talk about, you know, all of us need to just, just step out in faith and let God use you. It's okay if you make a mistake. Because if it's under the anointing, if your heart is in the right place and you're just being led by the Spirit of God, you don't have to be afraid that, you know, you're going to hurt somebody or, you know, God will take care of it. Amen? He's, he's guiding you. So even here, Brother Hagen's talking about, like, all of us, we need these experiences. We need to come together in unity. And just whether, you're, whether we're praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, or if there's that holy silence, or if it's laughter, whatever it is, we're all together in it. And we're learning. And God is doing things. And one thing um, that I want to point out is in his story, he talks about that unsaved man and how when, when they were all in the spirit, even the kids, there was nobody, nobody was yawning, nobody was falling asleep, no one was, you know, trying to rush out the door. Everyone was together in unity. The presence of God was so heavy in that place that without a word, without a touch, that man was so convicted and he just came and just gave his life. And I, by the story, you, you can imagine that was, it was very sincere. Nobody forced him to do anything. See, we have to remember that when we come together like that, like this, and in the spirit, it's not just for all of us that are here. Yes, we benefit, but don't underestimate the power of God on those who may come in. Didn't we read about how tongues is for the unbeliever? Amen. If we're in the spirit, if we are staying connected in, in tongues, in worship, even in, in singing in tongues, because that's all in the spirit. God can do awesome things. And, and do you think that the people sitting in silence had any idea that that would happen? No. I didn't know that guy would come in. But one thing that, um, you know, Tim mentioned was, you know, when we come together about, you know, coming together in prayer and, and the power in that. But don't forget you praying in tongues on your own time mm-hmm. out in, at home. 
at work, in the car, staying prayed up in the spirit, keeping your, sen- your, your spirit sensitive to the presence of God, keeping yourself sensitive to hear him and his direction. Because if we'll come in filled, then there's no time. Yeah, there's no time. Like, I don't want to say wasted, but we're not spending time trying to, you know, like, come on, guys, like, you know. Crank the wheels again. Like, let's, you know, let's get it back. No, we, if we already come in charged up, then it's like, you know, electricity just being, you know, just zapped between all of us. And you have this combustion of all of this, you know, of the power of God, right? We're not coming in and it takes all of worship time or it takes, you know, half the service before we're like right there. You know, if we come in already charged because we're praying on our own, like we're supposed to as believers, we're all supposed to be praying in tongues. And Paul told them, he said, I, I know I probably pray more than all of you, but it's not supposed to be that way. We're all supposed to be daily stirring ourselves up, praying in the spirit everywhere that you are. Um, and if we will, if we will do that, man, we'll come in. And I believe that man from the, from even before service starts, the presence of God can already be here in this place. And everyone so charged and expectant and ready for things, for, for God to just do whatever he wants to do. Expecting our lives will be changed, but you have no idea who God can send through that door. And you don't know the situations of those sitting in the seats either. Amen? You never know what God intends to do, what he wants to do, but our sensitivity to him is so important. So anyway, I shared that story because you, you can really just, you see the unity of the whole church just sitting in silence. And I, I think to myself, man, could we do that? <laughs> How many of us would be ready to, you know, like, oh, like I can't be still any longer or I can't be silent any longer because it's, it takes discipline. Amen. But if we're getting quiet with the Lord on our own time, then it becomes easier. Amen. It becomes easier to do it all together in one accord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So as you go from this place, stir yourselves up. If you, I encourage you to read first Corinthians 12 through 14, read it straight through and, um, amen. Be blessed. And we'll see you on Sunday. Amen. Amen.